Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. This next item is for all the quiet quitters and great resigners, as they're being called. My guest started delivering bags of food to a small number of schools in Great Britain many years ago. Little could she have anticipated at that stage just how much her life was about to change. 20 years later, she inspires future activists to show and how to make a difference. That's Carmel McConnell. She's the founder and ex-CEO of The Magic Breakfast and is the author of the book Change Activist. Make big things happen fast. And she joins me now on Down to Business. Carmel, you're very welcome along. Good to talk to you. Thank you very much for having me on the show. It's great to be here. Now, one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you is so many people, as I just referred to, in the whole great resigners, the whole quiet quitters trend, a lot of people are unfulfilled in their job, in their occupation, in their company and organisation. And they're looking around, they're trying to make a, a wider, more impactful contribution I suppose just to call it wider society. Now, you've done that and you're encouraging that in this new book, Change Activist. But before we get to any of that, you're you're from Fermanagh via Dagenham. So just tell me a little bit about your background <laughs> and your career before you got into social activism. Absolutely. I mean, I, my family came, like many did, to, to London, to England to work. And I was encouraged to think of Ireland as my home. I'm very glad to be in the process of getting the passport and being an Irish oh, sure. jo- join the club <laughs> I know exactly but yeah I mean my family are in Fermanagh and um, and and have married all over the country so we've family in Carrigaline with family in Sligo family in Galway and you know it's it's home to me but I was raised in London and so I'm one of these kind of uh, hybrids and maybe that's kind of given me the sort of some of the some of the insight really because when you're not quite fitting in anywhere I think that's one of the things that has always been part of activism, is it gives you a different perspective. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to be a bit of a mixture, to be honest. And tell us a little bit about your, your corporate career and, and mm. kind of what led you into this. A lot of people just do their career. They spend many happy decades performing their role and then they retire. Well, what made you different or why did you, you want to make that branch out in the first place? It was really accidental, to be honest. I mean, the, the, a, lot of, a lot of my decisions were based on like most people, okay, how do we keep a roof over our heads? How do we earn some money here? And I was always interested in technology. I worked for a long time in BT. Don't judge me. Um, <laughs> but I, I was, uh, you know, I, I, I went in at a very low level. I was able to train and develop. And what I was always interested in is what's the difference? There's two sets of big kind of uh, corporate change programs happening, and one's gone really well, and one's been a disaster. What's going on? And I really kind of tried to dig into that in my corporate career. And it, what was really strong was it was the values, it was the human principles at the core that was driving the leaders, that they took the time to communicate with people, that they, they really cared about how well it worked for customers, how well it worked, and also thought about other things. And so I built up a consultancy that was looking at values in the business community, the value of values, and particularly for the technology area. And my master's is in broadband. I'm a, I'm a deep geek, so I was lucky, you know, I was delighted to right in, in on, on the growth of the Irish technology industry recently. But, for, but the big shift was I got a chance to write some articles on what kind of leadership do we need for the digital space to grow companies that are going to build trust. I wrote some articles for the FT. I went off and interviewed some head teachers and said, oh, us, in, us in the business community, you know, we're trying to do our best. Are we helping you? And the, the head teachers just said, well, Carmel, we have to bring in food every single day in order to be able to teach, because there are kids coming into school that have had nothing since the day before. And, you know, we didn't have loads of money, but we always had some food on the table growing up, and I was so shocked at the idea of, you know, kids in bins looking for food before school, and teachers saying, I can't teach, 
unless I bring in bags of, of, of digestive biscuits and give them out at nine o'clock. So I just, I just kind of decided, you know, I'm writing this article about values. Why don't I try and do something? So I dropped off food to those five schools where I interviewed the head teachers. Within a week, I had 25 schools saying, we can't teach. The most important lessons are in the morning and the kids are too hungry to learn. They're, they can't concentrate. They've got tummy aches. They're putting their hands up. They're upset. So, uh, and and just to, just to, to rewind, because you, you, you say it yeah. almost in passing, the first bit of dropping the food in and all the yeah. rest of it. I mean, just talk to me about the logistics of that and what the rest of your family and friends thought of what you were doing. Or did somebody yeah. say, what are you at? Or did people say, that's nice, but how are you going to keep this going? Or what, yeah, what was the kind of reaction absolutely. around you? Well, do you know, I was just thinking, I don't know anything about education or nutrition or anything, but I can't bear to think of these kids with nothing at all in their tummy at the start of the school day. And if they're, you know, I said to them, why aren't the parents feeding them? And they said, Carmel, the parents are hungry. They're missing meals. So I just, when I was just going to the, the, the local supermarket, I, I just bought extra cereal and extra bagels and milk and dropped it off on a Saturday morning with the school caretaker. And I just thought, I can't do very much. But then I thought, hang on, if all it takes is going to the supermarket a bit more and donating and getting some other people alongside me to help me donate, maybe that would, maybe that would help some more kids. And it was just thinking of child after child. I mean, I went to school one morning. The, the head teacher said, just walk around with these bagels. We warmed up some cinnamon raisin bagels and walked around with a you know, tray of that and some milk. And there's one wee cub, and he was putting bagels. Uh, he, he said he was eating, and he said, do you mind if I take one more? And I said, yeah, oh, go, go ahead, son. And he said, uh, it's just my, my mum's at home, and there's no, no food there. And, you know, it was just, hang on, how can I go back to my technology job and my technology life knowing that these kids are like this. So I went back and we took out a big loan and we um, were able to, um, my partner Catherine was unbelievably supportive. I mean, she thought I was mad as well, obviously, but I am. And, you know, what we did was decide to just give it a year to see whether or not we could find the right people to do it. And I couldn't. So in the end, I set up Magic Breakfast and started delivering, went to big companies like Quaker Oats, went to big companies like Heinz Beans and said, please help. These kids are hungry. I have no, I am the weakest link here. You know, I am the last person to be doing this, but it's not been done anywhere else. And these kids are going to miss their learning. And the business community, again, was so full of gorgeous people that wanted to help. And this is where my great hope is with Change Activist is, is that we have people that want to do more and I want to encourage people to find the way to use the love in their hearts. And I built up Magic Breakfast. I became a government advisor. I got some great deals with I mean, Amazon, for example, when the kids couldn't go to school. They delivered all the breakfast to them free of charge. Fantastic. They were. And now we feed about 200,000, 220,000 children every single morning in about 1,000 schools. But it's needed in more places. It's needed in Ireland. It's needed. I'm working with a, a fantastic consortium to try and make it happen in Kenya. We need to make sure we're the rich ones. We're the lucky ones. And well, that's why I just I just want to hold you there because um, the very interesting part of this is is why is it needed? Mm-hmm. I, like I'm fascinated in the sense. Okay, you've got a lot of layers here. You've got the family. Sure. You've got parents. You've got the school itself. You've got the state. You've got probably the welfare system. Like, like, why are kids not being fed a basic breakfast diet? Did you did you kind of unravel that mystery? And I know it's a complex answer, no doubt. But but did you, after the the years you've done this, did you sort of put your finger on one particular factor, or or what is it? Poverty, Emmett. It's poverty. It's the fact that people are not being paid enough to feed themselves and their families. It's the fact that people don't have the skills to get the best paid jobs. It's like this is where we need the revolution. We can choose to have an end to hunger. 
particularly an end to hunger as a barrier to education, we just have to say, okay, every child needs to be well-fed in order to learn. Every family needs to be well-educated and well-fed in order to go and earn a good living. And the, the biggest part of this, I think, is this great structural inequality where the business community has, you know, all this goodness. I mean, imagine making all the management development plans that are available to the big companies, particularly the big tech firms across Ireland, to everyone who wants to get a good job in technology. I mean, at the moment, Ireland's computer and IT services account for 80, uh, 30, 40% of all exports. So imagine if we said, right, in one fell blow, I was listening to Anton's show earlier and uh, you know, the, about the, the, the homelessness with Ukrainian people. Estonia has got the, um, 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 a surplus. I know Ireland's doing much better than where I am in the UK, money-wise, but it's poverty at the core and it's hunger particularly. But the interesting, that's the problem we can solve. The interesting part, though, if I'm picking you up correctly, is you're saying that in the case of the parents of these kids in these schools in Britain, they weren't unemployed, they had poorly paid jobs, so it's a, the low-pay team is big here. Exactly. And, you know, this is, this is the question about the structural. We have to have a structural redistribution that works for everybody, you know, genuinely. I mean, I'm not a politician. I've worked with so many of them. I'm not a politician. But how can it be right that children go to school hungry in rich and caring countries like Ireland and, and across the UK while we have people who don't know how to spend their money, who just put it offshore and who just don't feel that they have a need? My job is to make sure that every company believes in profit and principles, that every single person who's making, who's making a few pounds, who's making a few euros, feels that there's a way to make a contribution to other people around them. Now, I want and, to ask you, um, just to move it away from the specifics of what you're involved, because a lot mm. of people will have other forms of activism that won't involve schools, sure. it'll be all sorts of other things, sure. and they're listing in, and, and they, they, they might be doing some work um, after hours at their job, they might be doing it within their job, they might be involved in a CSO program in their, in their company, yep. they might be doing something at the weekend, whatever it is. If, if somebody is sitting there listing now, and they, they've got what they might call a conventional nine-to-five job, they're in a very mm. structured, probably rigid enough role... I mean, what would you say to them? Can they do stuff? Should they just give money to their chosen charity? Should they get out there and do something physically involved, painting somewhere? Or like, what, what would you say to yeah. them? What kind of activism would you sort of say, maybe that's the kind of area you want to look at? You know, it's really interesting because I, I, I've, I've thought a lot about this and learning, I, I download in the book, what I've done is take the lessons from people like Nelson Mandela, from Greta, from Marcus Rashford, um, you know, and tried to kind of flesh out, okay, what is it, that the, what are the common attributes? And it comes down to three things. And I'd ask you this question as well, isn't it? Okay, what do you care about? What do you care about? You know, what make, when, the, what comes, when it comes on the news, what makes you go, oh, for goodness sake? You know, what, you know, <laughs> the the what, list is too long. This is only I a two-hour program. <laughs> <laughs> and what is it? And so a change activist is someone who takes action in line with their values, even if that takes you outside your comfort zone. And my great big winning strategy is to start with what you care about. What, what are you passionate about? What are Some people are like, oh, my God, our rivers with no salmon. Mm. Some people are like, oh, my God, I walked past a person that was crying in the street and had no money. And, oh, my God, the school up the road can't afford violins. Whatever it is, whatever it is. That's the place to go, right? That's... Exactly. What you care about, because your passion then drives your purpose. It drives your direction. So just have some... T- and if you say, I don't know what I care about, ask your friends. 
well, when we when we have a go and have a glass, you know, you never stop. You never stop about this or that. Or okay, okay, all right, that seems to be right. Well, I, I hope I hope people will buy your book, uh, as you said, for the practical points as well. In there, obviously, there there's there's great emotional moments, and and how you made the switch over is very interesting. But also, I hope it's a good practical guide about how you can actually go about doing this sort of activism activism well, work. It's that baby you're talking steps. About. It's yeah. baby steps. You know, you don't have to. It's maybe everyone has got the step, the change that they want to make in their life. Everyone, whether it's in your home life, whether it's at work, whether it's for the country, it might be an email. It might be just sitting down and thinking, Do you know what? I think I probably could talk to someone about this. It's baby steps. Don't think of yourself. As, I, I am genuinely the weakest link. I mean, honest to God, I have done, I have tried so many things that have been so completely useless. And what I've just done is... <laughs> I well, doubt it. I doubt it somehow based on this so interview. <laughs> and I just keep going because of, what, of the care. You know, love is this great fuel in our hearts. And if we can take baby steps, we can make things better. Okay, well, listen, the book is out there. Nobody has any excuses that they can go and read this book and make that first step on the journey and see what they do after that. Carmen McConnell is, as I said, the founder and former CEO of Magic Breakfast. It's become a very well-known and renowned organisation in the UK, supplying meals and breakfast into schools all over the country over there and, and starting to do some work here as in other places. You mentioned Kenya as well. She is the author of the book Change Activist, Making Big Things Happen Fast. Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.